This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. MWWire.com is where you can find everything we're talking about, football, basketball. Um, the offseason, Matt, you know how it is. The offseason is real this time around. Oh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> we are going to be with you the whole way, like we always are, but even more so perhaps this time around. Uh, so uh, what's going on? What are we doing today? We got some football talk. We got a game to play a little bit. We have some news. How, let me ask you this. We're going to talk about name, image, and likeness stuff. Are you, let me ask, let's just start right about. We'll get right to it. No need to beat around the bush. How surprised are you that this is going forward as quickly? Um, mildly surprised. Mildly. If only because you're so used to seeing the NCAA kind of finesse their way through everything to try and keep things as they have been. But they also screwed it up too a little bit, right? Well, yeah, obviously. What's the, you know the big screw up? What does it tell everybody? Um, <laughs> sorry, it's been a long day. Um, you know what? I don't know. You don't know? Oh, man. You like to tell the time. The video game. It's not going to happen. Oh, that... <laughs> No, that's what you were referring to. <laughs> oh, sorry. I like, wait, did they? I was like, wait, did they say? I was like, are you referring to like one quiet part they accidentally said out loud? But yeah, the video <laughs> definitely one of them. I mean, it, it even goes further back than that. Like, I don't know if you've seen the articles lately about Jeremy Bloom. You know, the uh, Colorado. I guy. believe he used to play Colorado, but he was also an Olympian skier, mm-hmm. or at least he would have been had the NCAA ruled that he would have lost his eligibility if he'd gone and. Accepted endorsements and things like that. So, it it's like I said a million times. We'll get the foot the NCAA game, but it's like I listen to I bring up Gary Parish at CBS because he does a good job on the basketball podcast, his radio show in Memphis. But it's like if they're afraid of cheating of some sort. I like what are they? Well, before I get that, what are they really afraid of by doing this? Is it the coaches losing control over players? Is it businesses becoming more involved with the team, like some owner of some? dude's car shop body shop down the road paying a guy five hundred thousand dollars like what's their real concern about allowing guys not just guys but any athlete not just football but any sports golf soccer baseball to make a few bucks during arguably their the time they're most likely to make their most valuable time as an athlete i would say well it, it's money i know it, but what why is that <laughs> why are they concerned about players making money because that might mean that they make less money I don't, I don't know. I don't think there's really. Do you any buy that way though? You would, I don't. I mean, I yeah, I do. It's when is when are things like this never about money? It it is, but I just think like I've always said this a million times. Don't people like their names on buildings still? Yes and no. I mean, why no? Who doesn't if you have that type of money? <laughs> I, I just you know it's one of those things where they've been dragging their feet on this for so long, and it's like. You know, it's not even a, a question really worth posing, in my opinion, because everybody knows it's about the multi-billion dollar industry that the the labor that is being put out there is not necessarily being compensated, you know, fully fully compensated for. Yeah, it's like I, I, I like what they're doing. There's a lot of things like there's a couple of things that don't make sense overall. First off, here's if, for those who don't know what's going on. The schools can't pay players. The conferences can't pay players. 
You cannot use, and why the video game may not be back. And remember, this is also a rough draft. This isn't like official final in the books going to happen. They want it to happen. I think, what are they voting in January? Is that what we heard, I believe? I think so. And they want it to start by 2021 academic year. So net, basically a year from now. Whatever the start, official start date is, whether it's summertime or whatever, they want it basically by next year. And and I see the stupidest comments because people obviously don't read. You can't make money. Like schools can't pay players. Which means, it, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if you also can't, like you see the number, whatever jerseys at your school, the mm. player's name's not on the back of the jersey. It's just the name because the school can't do that. I, w- wouldn't that make sense that's still in place? Because if player, you can't promote the player to make money. And if you can't use official licensing or logos, wouldn't the school still not be able to put like whatever player on their jersey to sell itself to be number whatever? Mm-hmm. So why are why do I see those people freaking out on Twitter? What's I see the stupidest argument? Some boosters are going to come in and spend ten thousand or buy ten thousand jerseys at a hundred bucks a piece to pay a player. Do they not read that players don't make money off of that? Mm-hmm. Like people are dumb, and I, this is getting closer to what it should be. But the one thing that's also interesting I like to say about this, like, well, there's an open market because you know how there's no cap. But then again, the NCAA could step in and say, well. That car dealership that let you drive around that Mercedes in Texas or Austin, it's not the same as it is for San Diego. How can they say no to that? Like these rules are gonna be changed or tweaked, right? They have to be. They can't yeah. because and then if there's no cap, why what's the why would you have restrictions anywhere? Can't they just make it free for all? And if the Walton family, like somebody brought something to Twitter, well what if the Walton family owns Walmart pays every Arkansas recruiting a million bucks? I'm like, my response, well, they can do that and B, that's a bad business decision. <laughs> Well, did the Waltons even graduate from the University of Arkansas? Yeah, well, they're in the state of Arkansas, so that's kind of my point. But like, it's like the Bill Gates thing, or uh, Paul Allen, or whoever or those type of guys, or not Paul, but Phil Knight. Excuse me. Like, they could do that, right? But they're also not dumb business people, too. I mean, I guess theoretically, but I really don't think that that would apply to any more than like, you know, a couple of universities off the top of my head that have those kind of mega donors, you know. Like, or just to, to take the, the top of the recruiting food chain, like a, a prospect, a five-star prospect is not going to be any less likely to want to go to Alabama just because they're not getting sponsored or anything like that. Alabama is still, you know, basically the top football program in America. It's like the trade-off. Do you want money now or later? And if you're supposed to be that good of a recruit, because here's the thing too, if you're a good, it's like the G League, can you even follow that a little bit? Where they're mm-hmm. making that super team in Southern California, they're paying guys half a million bucks or six high mid to high six figures to sit out sit out from college instead of going overseas. You're still in America playing a handful of games, but the thing is with that if you drop like one slot in the draft, I think the guy's Jalen Green. If you drop from like he's projected top two, if he goes from two to three, just one spot dropping, it was not worth it for him to go to go do that G League thing. Because mm-hmm. if you were to go to whatever – I don't know what school he's going to, but if you were to go to Duke just because they're a basketball, you went see Kansas, and he comes out to be a number two pick, and it's worth it. Like you can't make up this money now. And if you're in Alabama and you're a pretty good player, you, people want a piece of you regardless. Yeah. So like if you're a – let's just say you're a rotational guy in the secondary, there might be some company that may want to pay you 20 grand to do something in the offseason. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like you're not going to go to UAB over Alabama just because you can be the star guy at UAB instead. It's like the best players are going to go to the best places. And then there's a talk about, well, maybe the group of five and G5 wide. And I'm like, no. The only widening I would see like in the group of five would be like as the American Conference, be- not because they're that much better, 
they're in metropolis cities. Dallas, Houston, Orlando, Memphis, big cities compared to the Mountain West, right? I mean, I think that it would have the effect of maybe leveling out the, the, the recruiting field and like, you know, the, the recruiting classes who recruit between like number 50 and 100 and on the power five level versus teams at the top of the group of five. I think that it would make some of those kind of low four, high three star prospects more liable to go someplace like Fort Collins rather than Texas or, you know, I take the example of like Matthew Baldwin, for instance, who was a big time Colorado State recruit who I think he actually went to Ohio State and then I uh, transferred and went to TCU. But, uh, you know, in a situation like that, I think that, you know, if whoever in the Fort Collins community wanted to be able to put together something to entice them, you know, to pay them what they think they are worth, you know, that could benefit programs like that across the board, I think, in the Mountain West, because it's not like it's so stratified where I don't think any one program is going to have that much of an advantage over everybody else. I guess it, my point, like if you're in a bigger city, like say if you go to San Diego over Fort Collins, like not Fort Collins, but Albuquerque is a decent say city, but X would be decent. But like, what's the smallest city in the Mountain West? Logan, you think? Is that the smallest city? Or Laramie, I guess? Uh, I don't know how big Logan is. It's not that very would big, be my guess. Let's just say it's Wyoming, or I would say it's either Logan or Laramie. Well, I guess in Logan, I would say Laramie because Logan, you can pull on some Salt Lake market a little bit, barely a tiny bit, <laughs> especially from where you're from. If you're from the state, but like that's the only area we could see where there's more opportunities to make a few bucks. Like if you're in a city with more businesses, like that's my only thing. Where that's why I think the American could have something compared to the bigger metropolitans. But it's like. Is there going to be a guy who's, I guess the only one other difference I could see, well, actually, no. What we won't know, let me backtrack real quick. What we don't know is there's going to be a really big weird wave because when can these guys make get some money? You have to actually prove yourself on the field. So if you're debating between a Purdue or a San Diego State and you're like a fringe guy, where well, I got some decent P5 offers or some really good G5 offers, are you going to go to a school that's in the Big Ten just because you think you can make more money, especially in year one or year two, when mm-hmm. nobody knows who's going to pay or what? Because odds are, unless you're like a Jadavion Clowney type recruit come out of college, like Zion Williamson in basketball, you're not, you're not going to get any money right away. You know what I mean? It's like it's going to take a couple years before the market settles out, or you're actually going to see the field. So why would you risk on doing that? And then you know recruits are coming to your schools coming like, well, we're here at Texas, we're at Austin, we have all these proposals coming in, or because do all the research and stuff, but. I think it's too big of a risk to debate to to try to like if you're above average guy, it's like why would you, again? It's like you don't know what you're getting if you go to these bigger schools. There's no research being done, especially the next two to three years. It's like wouldn't you rather go to a place where you know you can play and do, you know what I mean, just at least play football and go to a, a good coach and a good school? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I just I like what they're doing. It's going so far, but they need to get the NCAA stuff done for the video game because. How like what are the what are the game be sixty to hundred bucks depending what type of version you can pull out from the Xbox or PS4? Like yeah, I mean they could they could treat it like they treat the MLB the show game where they have the the regular version for sixty dollars, but then they have like some you know, different limited editions where there's like eighty or a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, and like I honestly like I think part of it there's no union for that, but if you can allow maybe exemption, maybe not because here's how you can do a trade off because if you allow players to be in the game. You can make players would probably, I guess, I don't know what they'd pay out, but you probably get a copy of the video game, maybe a console of your choice, and maybe, unless you're like on the covers, a current guy in the cover, a lot of money, like they could probably get away 
with paying guys like what ten grand a person. Maybe, I don't know how much EA would pay, but they can make it worth it. And trade off could be like, hey, schools, if you license this to the game, okay, your image, all that's in there, players can make money off of that. But they can make exemption exempt, exemptions where you can only use it for that, which might be in some legal issues. But you could also do trade off. Okay, schools, you can now put. They could be in the video game. Players make money this way, but if there's jersey sales as well, you may make more money for actually promoting a certain player. And mm-hmm. like maybe have a couple spots here and there where you can use official licensing for specific reasons, like in any other sport. It's like in the old NBA game, Michael Jordan pulled himself out. That's why there's no Michael Jordan, like NBA, whatever the NBA equivalent is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, same thing with uh, Barry Bonds back in the day. Oh, he did that too? He pulled his name out? Yeah. He's Which like, is why you know John Dowd exists in, in <laughs> video game lore. It's, it's it's like how how did they miss that? It's a no brainer, right? You would think so. Like but we're talking about the NCAA. It, uh, I'm betting. I'll bet good money that'll change. Mm-hmm. Do you think that'll change mid January? You think? I think so. Okay. Hopefully that changes. All right. Next little step before we get to our players. I guess our big topic here is players that are going or gone that are impossible to replace. Let's do a real quick update on what we're doing for college football, which is, where's my emoji shrug, Matt? I don't know. Do you know? <laughs> the ongoing shrug. <laughs> ongoing shrug. The most interesting thing I saw, I'm, I'm going to do an article on I just haven't had time yet because i got other stuff going on. But Craig Thompson spoke in a few places, including the Union Tribune out in San Diego. He put up an interesting thing. Like, what happened? Because it's like whack-a-mole, like we said before, Matt. Like, your area could be different from my area. Hawaii could be different from Albuquerque. It could be crazy across the country, like my state, Utah, starting to open up, which I drove around yesterday to go. I had to go get ice at the gas station. There are people, if you can believe this, decided to have a, in a giant movie theater park parking lot because the movie theater is still closed, like pop-up picnics just because. I thought that was kind of weird. But what if certain areas are doing that? Craig Thompson suggests, how about what if California can't play football? We just use nine other schools. Do you think that would I mean, fly? I guess, I mean, would that I fly? Like, <laughs> how would that work? That's an excellent question. I, I mean, I'm assuming they're already in the process of coming up with as many different contingency plans as they can. Yeah, there's been quite a few. Do you have a favorite that you think that would work the best? <sighs> I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, it would, it would be kind of strange if you had the Mountain West without the West. That's true. And like, how would a Pac-12 work when they're missing half their, like, a bunch of their schools as well? Like UCLA, San Diego, or Cal, Stanford. You know what I mean? That's four schools in their conference right there. Yeah, and I mean, you know, in that case, would you just do like a – I guess it would be kind of like the Big 12 because the Big 12 has nine teams, right? No, they get ten teams. They play oh, nine they games. Nine games, though, conference games. I mean, it could be like – did they used to have nine teams or is that my imagination? Your imagination. <laughs> there, well, there could be a point where when they're shuffling to add a team, maybe there's technically nine during the summer, but they've okay. always played with ten or twelve. Yeah, because I'm thinking about how the fact that they, they haven't had divisions and it was literally just everybody plays each other once. Yeah, it's pretty new for them, but yes. And so I think in that particular case, like, I can't help but think that that would really suck for Hawaii. Yeah. To to have uh, a, a road schedule that would theoretically feature zero trips to the Pacific time zone. Yikes. <laughs> um, you know, because I think they they don't have to fly to Boise. So I forget their, <laughs> I forget their schedule off the top of my head, but. How dare you? <laughs> I guess it, I guess it would be interesting. I, I I think if you're thinking about it in terms of it being just kind of like a regional football championship plus Hawaii, it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. It would be kind of interesting to watch, but I think that for fans of uh, of the three California teams, that would be 
it would definitely feel like a little bit of a raw deal. You know, I wouldn't, you, I wouldn't fault them for, for exploring that possibility that that you, happened. You know, it could not be a raw deal. Spring season, California State Championship. You get to play UCLA, USC, Stanford, Cal. <laughs> and you got Fresno, San Diego State, and San Jose State. Why not? Okay, I'm interested in that. See, there you go. I think you you're interested there. See, there, there's a million ideas. Like, I did see one interesting, like, here's one thing, too, I just thought about, too. I wrote an article from another job about, like, what if it, what, about BYU, because what if it's only conference games? To me, I don't think that's even going to matter. You know why? Because it's like when my kids go to school, like, when they started all this, like, oh, we're doing a half day for the for these couple of days in March. I'm like, a half day does nothing because you're still around everybody. If you're not playing a full schedule, how could you play a, a conference-only schedule? Mm. Like, what, what, how does that any different? It's not. So I don't think that, I think that's just thrown out there just because, but I think that's a non-starter. And then I saw the, was it Greg Sankey on some Jacksonville radio program saying, why do we all need to start at the same time? Which could be an interesting point for if the California schools can't play, the Mountain West keeps their schedule intact. You play who you play, and then you try to kind of, the schedule's kind of like uh, intermittent throughout eight months. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That'd be kind of wild, wouldn't it? That would be kind of weird, yeah. (laughs) But here's what I'll guarantee I don't think the season is going to be canceled. There will be a 12-game season at some point this year. I will put a – should I say 100%? Should I make that my stupid upset pick for the year? The ultimate stupid upset pick. <laughs> Saying we're going to have 12 games no matter what a full college football season sometime. Well, you know, I'm not going to discourage you if that's what you really want to do. How? What do you think about it? How close do you think that's going to happen? I think there will be a season – but I'm not 100% sold at this point that it'll be a 12-game season. Okay. Like, And I know that we've had this conversation over a couple of previous podcasts. I, I do tend to, to lean toward the side that it'll probably be truncated. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's still so much uncertainty in the air with, you know, states, some states across the country set to reopen. Um, too early, or, by the or, way. Just saying. Too, too early, early, by the way. Still too early. Um, I'm not going anywhere. I just went to one place over the weekend. <laughs> and we really have no idea what's going to happen in that case, in those cases in some states who are being a lot more deliberate. Um, so it's really hard to say one way or the other. When I, it, like I said, I think it'll happen. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure that it'll happen the way that we all expect it to. And when I when I refer to like you shouldn't do a conference schedule because what's the point if you can't if you can play eight why not play twelve. Part of that reason is if there's time to play 12, you should – I think your, is your point – let me get to you. Is like, it's because of the timing issue because the – say they still want football during the actual school year, not go through a summer. Is that where you're coming from? Say maybe it's only eight games because you don't want to play June or July? Yeah, and I mean just going back to you know television and everything like that, you know, ESPN and all the other networks are going to want their programming. Yeah. And I think if it gets to a certain point where – you know, certain segments of our entertainment bleed into one another. I think that, you know, ESPN, for instance, isn't going to want college football and, and and the NFL football, in that case, competing against one each other or one another for too long. I think that they'll take what they can get. Yeah, I, I yeah. when I say eight games, like if you're playing eight games, like conference schedule, we start in October, you're going to, why not play 12? Like, yeah. I think, honestly, I think they're the two most realistic scenarios are going to happen. I do like to, the um, tiered system SEC commissioner said because I think that could work if you play, like, say, your conference schedule, at least some of it, starting whatever, certain part of the country. Like, say, you know what I mean, like a certain part of the month, but you mm-hmm. still all basically finish at the same time. Like, you're still given a, 
let's say it's a 20 week period to play your whole your 12 games and say some teams get four games right up the front and some only get two i i think that is a, a good possibility or a good option but i seriously think that the two biggest ones are just push it back till january or february or do like a, some split type of season so yeah and then also one last thing i'll talk about before we get to our main topic i know we're kind of chatting about this a lot but what about UNLV busing the game? Did you hear about that? Teams change their schedule to busing teams, busing games, even football? Yeah. Not a fan? No. You know what's going to happen next couple of years? I've already seen the schedule going out. You're going to see, maybe not football, maybe a little bit, but basketball and baseball, you're going to see a whole lot of UTEPs and the Mexico States on the schedule coming up. You're going to have. That would surprise me. I mean, that would be a huge bummer. For basketball? Well, maybe not for basketball. I'd, I'd say I'd say football is already set. So, like, if we're playing baseball, basketball, volleyball, you, like mm-hmm. here's what it's be good for: like Utah State for basketball. If they can play Utah and BYU every year, every year for the next two years, a home and home or something, which I think they kind of do, or like if Fresno State can get Stanford and Cal for basketball or baseball, like that'd be a pretty good boon, and it wouldn't be too bad. But I'm betting you'll see a lot of those uh, regional games pop back up again. Because do yeah. you want do you want to send your baseball team to Orlando for a week, Matt? No, <laughs> I wouldn't. No, no, if it were my decision. I mean, I think you know. We haven't really mentioned this on a podcast, but I think if it leads to a closer examination of pods, Ooh, yeah. which I've written about on the site before, exactly, I would not be opposed to that. How could the Mountain West do that? Because the travel wise, it's does it really change the travel issues or travel? Could, does it really lessen the travel with pods? I might have to do another deep dive into what that might look like. But you know, it should really happen. This conference USA and Sun Belt should just cut themselves down the middle and say. You know what I mean? Because they're east, east and west, essentially. And like, I get the name, like, like I get the name Sun Belt's not as valuable as CUSA, but it's like they're both the the bottom two FBS conferences. Split them up as close as possible. That would help out a lot for this type of things. But yeah, I think that that would be interesting. Pod thing. like, would travel be an issue, or how would it be reduced? Because I also talked to the Hawaii guys on a couple weeks ago on the radio program. You know, Hawaii put pays like they pay for teams travel. Mm-hmm. Like, is that going to change because of this? It's like, can there be some sort of a reduction in that? But that's kind of an issue too. Not to get too deep in that, but that's something to consider as well. Because they are they going to boat over? Is that any cheaper to take a boat from Hawaii to the West Coast? I wouldn't think so. No, I don't. I don't, I don't think that you. You got to fly. You got to want to be on a boat in this time anyway. I don't know. It's just all weird. I just we just want to bring up a few other topics about this stuff to keep people kind of our thoughts about because I know you see it everywhere. But there's going to be because I, I also don't want us to do this, Matt, because. I have to follow the NBA for my for work because Utah Jazz. You probably see it too. Every other day, there's a new proposal for the NBA. Let's go to mm-hmm. Orlando. Let's go. Las Vegas Strip has offered a block of real estate to house teams, hotels. You see, you probably you follow baseball more than me. You see, you know, Major League Baseball. What are they? What are they up to now? I've seen Texas, Orlando, and Arizona as options. Like, what are they doing? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want us to be that every day where there's a minor update where we're making a big deal about it. So I don't. The only college football, I'll say it last time, like if we ever get in this again, like there's a big update. I think, like I said before, the first week of July is when we really will need to know what's going on. Yeah, I can get behind that. All right, you ready to get to our main topic? Let's do it. So, Matt, we're, there's a lot of players that are good in the Mountains Conference. As always, yes. We've had, what was there, 10 guys drafted? Uh, yes, there was. A handful of, uh, not as many due to, you know, COVID and all that, but uh, undrafted guys. So we're going to go through... Kind of the biggest loss for each team and maybe the next stud or replacement player. All right. So we asked Twitter. We asked our staff to help out too. Should we just go alphabetical order? Yeah, why not? I do need some help for 
a team like New Mexico, just because probably mostly a brain fart, I'm assuming, not necessarily there. It's all right. It's all right. I got you. That's good. All right. Should we just start the Air Force? Let's do that. I would like you to go first. Who do you think would be like the biggest loss for the Falcons? See, I mean, I think that there's a few different options, and it really depends on what you think is more important to next year's success. Because, you know, most of the pieces are coming back on offense. Um, you know, obviously the the highlight the highlighters are guys like Donald Hammond III and, and Caden Remsburg, but they're at the same time they're also having to replace a couple of really key pieces on the offensive line, which was one of the best in the country last year, and they're replacing both of their leading receivers. On defense, though, you know they're having to replace a few guys up front, especially in the front seven, where you know that was really kind of their biggest strength. You know, guys like Moses Feeder moving on. Kyle Johnson is a graduate transfer. Um, you know, and even in the secondary, they're having to replace guys like Zane Lewis and Jeremy Pendulum. So mm-hmm. I think that you, you could make a pretty convincing argument for a number of people. But when I, when I look at how good the offensive line was last year, I'm really interested to see how they replace. And I'm going to cheat a little bit here because I think I, you could take the tandem of, of Connor Vickapitz and Scott Haddock. We'll allow it. But it, <laughs> but if I had to shoot gun to my head, if I had to choose one, I'd see, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how they replace Haddock in particular, just because the offensive line, obviously they were really good at helping, you know, do what they do best, which is run the football on people's throats. Exactly. But, you know, according to pro football focus, they were also one of the best pass protecting lines in the nation as well. So, you know, obviously, you know, with the Academy, it's hard to know exactly who, is going to step up and replace him. And just looking at last year's depth chart, ironically enough, both of the guys behind them on the depth chart, Colin Marquez and Elijah Wollum, both of those guys are seniors. They're not going to be back either. Mm-hmm. So I'm not totally sure who's going to step up into that spot, but I think it's pretty clear that they'll have some big shoes to fill. It's a, it's a good point here because they do return like a lot of key talent, quarterback, running back. I'm going to go with a different one, and I have no idea who's going to make this replacement because it never happens. I saw your tweet this morning from Pro, was it Pro Football Reference? Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Air Force. Or college Football Reference. Or College Football Reference, sorry, not Pro. But they're a good follow. I use them for a million different things here. But you met, they mentioned Gerard Sanders and Benjamin Watson were the only two players this century to have 20 catches and average 20 yards per attempt or per catch. 24, yeah. Oh, 24, sorry. It was I, being oddly, I had to be oddly specific. Okay, oddly specific. Still, it, still, it still works. It's still amazing. So I'm going to say George Sanders is a huge loss. Be- biggest loss. Mm-hmm. Be- because, and I get it, it's a run team. Like, well, how could it be that big of a loss? Well, when you average, what, nearly 30 yards a catch, 25 yards a catch, he had 25, Waters 30. Mm-hmm. You still, There's going to be a guy that will come close to that, but like, Unless we're going back to um, Jalen Robinette, like it's not a this is not a common f- thread to have the Air Force leading receiver to average twenty five plus yards per game or per per catch. Well, and it's not only that. You know, when you look at Air Force, obviously you're used to seeing them have some kind of big playability. Mm-hmm. But the other thing too is that you know even Jalen Robinette at his best, which was you know twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. Really good. Neither neither year he didn't he scored five and six touchdowns and, and Sanders last year had seven. Yeah, on thirty catches, um, so maybe even more so than the yards per catch average and, and the yards after the catch average. I think you know just being able to find the end zone is going to be a thing that might even be harder to replace. Like you could argue Jalen Rowell from twenty sixteen was better than Jalen Robinette. Same or, guy. 
Oh, that is, oh. Why does it say Jalen Roll? He changed his name. When? During college? This is. I'm no, looking. It was like a, it was like a year or two ago. The why is it showing up on the old Air Force depth chart then of this? That's a very. I have no idea. I apologize. They for that. just hadn't, hadn't updated that. <laughs> what is? Okay, my mistake. I'm like Jalen. Jalen, cool. Another Jalen. So, but like, okay, going to like even after him, there's guys who get right around 20, 20 yards per catch. Like you had um, Ronald Cleveland was pretty good, but he wasn't really getting a touchdown. So. As for who's going to step up, there's going to be a guy that's going to get close to 20 yards per catch. I have no clue because they, obviously those those Sanders, those are tight end. The next guy on the list, like, is it going to be like Daniel Morris had one catch for 10 yards last year? That's their leading returning wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it'll be, but it, I, I the reason I say it's the biggest loss because well, it's, your offensive line makes a lot more sense than mine, but also want to be a little bit different. When you look at how when you have an experienced quarterback as Donald Hammond, the third who throws pretty well, like he had just over 50% completion rate, 1,300 yards, which is really good for an Air Force quarterback. They'll probably run a touch more because, A, Caden Remsburg is back, new receivers, but they're going to want to have a deep threat, and he's an experienced guy to find those guys downfield. And if they're going to be contending for the division, which I think they'll be close to being up, they'll be one of the top three teams again. They're going to need a deep threat. I don't know who it'll be, but I that's why I'm going with that with my biggest loss for them because Sanders just made plays. Like, again, he had set two. Not just that, but, like, I'll add in Waters, too. Like, 14 touchdowns between two guys on the Air Force team. That was, that was all their touchdowns as well. So it, whoever it's going to be, it's going to be brand new. So so Brett Bergman, when he put together his uh, post-spring depth chart, you know, he had David Cormier and Brandon Lewis – uh, at the top of the depth chart at wide receivers. And so I think, you know, when we get around to doing our team previews, we're probably going to end up having the same conversation that we did about mm-hmm. them last year. But, you know, even beyond them, you know, the upside for the Falcons, even if they lack returning production, is they've still got a lot of size, you know, among the guys out at wide receiver, like Jake Spiewak, who's going to be a junior, is listed at six foot four and 200 pounds. You know, that's a little bit taller than than Sanders and Waters were. So, you know, I think they've still got guys on the roster, you know, guys like Spiewak, like Dane Kinnaman, who can go out there and get it. And so I think that's just a matter of kind of proving it when we get back around to, to summer or fall practices or whatever. Whatever, just football returns in some, some aspect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, because, again, our previews, I was looking at the calendar, Matt, our previews are probably going to start in about three weeks. Mm-hmm. So people get ready for our team previews where we know very little because not much spring happened. All right, let's go to Boise State. I, we'll rotate. I'll go first this time. And people may um, accuse me of liking offense too much, but I think John Hightower could be one of the biggest losses for this team. I was think to, so? I, well, here's why. is him or I could say Ezra Cleveland as well because the offensive line I, – could I just say the offensive line because they're losing like John Mulkin, Ezra Cleveland, and other guys. But allow, I mean they're losing four guys, so I'll yeah. allow it. And so – Maybe I can make a change, but the reason I go Hightower, because I want to be different, and not to be different just because to be different, but the offensive line is a huge loss, but it's not one guy. So there's the thing. Like, you this, you lost Cleveland, who was drafted. But with Hightower, he did so many different things for so many different positions last year. Like, he was like their playmaker who would catch the ball off the swing. He would take the jet sweep. He'd return punch, return kicks. He was just like the explosive playmaker, and... There might be a guy. I have to look, I'm trying to d- debate who the replacement would be. But when you have a playmaker guy, like they already ha- they already have a solid running back coming back. They're returning quarterback. The line's probably their biggest need overall. But with what Hightower could do, it's like he was a guy who would do everything for you. 
And it's going to take multiple guys just to maybe do what the one one player did. And he made big plays for touchdowns. And so that's why I think he could be one of their biggest losses overall because of the like the quantity of what he did. Well, I mean, if you're going off of last year's depth chart at the end of the year, you know, the obvious replacement is Octavian, uh, excuse me, Octavius Evans, yes. mm-hmm. who I think we both expect a little more from going into last fall. And so there's there's still a little bit of prove it around. And it's not to say that he's got to step in and be like a thousand yard receiver right away. Um, because they still have CT Thomas, they still have Khalil Shakir coming back too. But yeah. you know, especially since he's going into his senior year, now is going to be the time for him to step up and really take that last step. Well, he also had sixty catches. He had more catches than John Hightower last year. Yeah, he had sixty-three. He had same almost the same amount of touchdowns. So we'll see if he does all the other stuff I mentioned, like return kicks and run the ball and stuff. But I just like when you have a guy who does that many different things for your team. He's hard to replace. He did have 19 um, rushes last year, Khalil Shakir, but he'll probably he'll probably be that guy to step in. But it's like, who doesn't like? What team doesn't want to have that guy who, when he's on the field, you have like, I'm not saying John Hightower is the best player on their team by any stretch of the means, but when you have you, we have a guy where he can do multiple things at any play, you got to actually pay attention to him and not just do your coverage. And so that's why I think he's that type of valuable player to be to lost. Yeah, they may have the guy come up and be just as good or even better. But again, you're still losing. You're losing proven guys who don't just catch the ball but run the ball and do other things too. And he's a playmaker. Like how many long touchdowns did he have the past couple of years? And so that's where I'm going. Even though I do acknowledge the biggest group that needs to prove it itself for replacement is offensive line. So would it would it be too on the nose to take the obvious answer, Curtis Weaver? Curtis Weaver. No, it wouldn't be it, that. You know, the guy the guy who finished with the most sacks in Mountain West history. Mm-hmm. No, he's pretty good. I heard of him. <laughs> you know, and, and wouldn't you have, wouldn't you know it though, but the Broncos have another potentially no. awesome. No, what are you talking about? Specialist <laughs> they never have him. that. <laughs> and and for, the, for those of you outside of the know, it's a Dimitri Washington is who I'm talking about. You know, because, and I think we had this conversation a little bit about you know, Curtis Weaver being slowed a little bit by injury at the end of last year, which may have hurt his draft stock. Um, but you know who wasn't slowed at the end of last year? Who was that? Dimitri Washington. There you go. I didn't realize he had four of his four and a half sacks in, in Boise State's last five games last year. And he's already being talked up by a lot of people, by a lot of, uh, you know, Broncos beat writers as being kind of that next big thing. So while there's, again, obviously very big shoes to fill, you know, this isn't the first time the Boise State had to replace a crack pass rushing specialist like this, so I wouldn't bet against them doing it again. I would just say the level of play probably don't expect the same level of play, right? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised by it, but that's a very lofty standard that you would hold. It, it to. would be like if you're okay. Would you say second team all conference would be an adequate replacement in year one of being the starter replacing Curtis Weaver? I would say so. So okay, all right. So um, should we go to Colorado State? Yeah, let's do it. Who do you got? So, I mean, there's not a lot of pieces that they're having to replace. And I think if you are a Rams fan, you're optimistic because going into 2020, most of last year's best pieces are coming back. But I think if it were me, I'm I'm looking for continued improvement on the defensive side of things. And so I think losing a piece like Jamal Hicks could uh, really be a challenge. That's kind of my pick as well. So we got the same one on this, this guy. This, yeah. this pick and he like you're right too like when there's not many players to choose from that were either that great or losing like they didn't lose a ton you gotta kind of pick and choose 
And on the Rams defense, Matt, we know how it wasn't great. So losing one of your best defenders, it's going to be tough to fill, fill out that spot. It was definitely uneven. We could say that. Okay, fine. We'll, side of things. You got the positive side. Uneven, that's if, a good way to put it. We, uh, and I like to be charitable when I can. That's true. So who's, who's replacing them? Well, um, if you're looking back at last year, it's probably Quinn Brennan, who was, uh, I think, expected to play a role and uh, had a lot of playing time throughout last year. Uh, and he's going into his junior year, so we'll kind of see if he can step up and fill those shoes. Yeah, he's been playing multi-year. He played all 12 games as a redshirt freshman. He His stats weren't there because he's the backup, doesn't play a lot. But like, if you step into a spot where not the position that Hicks plays was like the glamour position or you're going to be this main guy, but when you're the key backup to him and he played for two-plus years in a backup role, he's played, I'm not sure how many games he played last year. I know his first year played 12, but he played 20-plus games. In your backup, you're going to be ready to go as a starter. It's not going to be too much of a like a step back. I don't think the difference would be all that much if you have. It's be different if you have a guy come in, never played, redshirted, starting right away, or played only a couple games here and there. He's been playing from day one for this team. Yeah. And so if you come in and play right away and be or been, and play twenty plus games, twenty twenty five games the first two years, he'll be fine to go. And maybe like we know the Rams defense needs to step up and better. And who knows? Maybe this guy learned from Hicks and can kind of. The defense gets better with the new new hires they have, new staff under Steve Adazio, that he'll, he'll find a role for him and everybody else, and defense will actually be above average in the Mountain West Conference. Possibly. So, All right, Fresno State. Who I'm debating who I should pick here, because they did have a guy drafted, hired, a couple guys drafted. Um, can I go with uh, Juju Hughes? Is that okay? You can. Okay, because we know um, Muntai got drafted. He's been hurt most of the while at Fresno State. He's probably their best player. Michael Weicker, Walker got drafted, but I don't know if he would be their best player overall because because being drafted doesn't mean you're the best player, right? Or should it be? Is there, am I missing something? I'm not saying that. I think it depends on the team. I think you could make an argument either way. Like I would say Hughes partly because he – and I don't, want, I don't know if this is because defense isn't great or not, but like he – was a run guy as a, as a safety as well, defensive back. Like he had 80 tackles most of his career, or obviously his career. He played all, he played everything. He's been playing for years on this team, second team all mountains coverage a couple years ago, honorable mention last year. He was all over the field and probably their best defender last year, almost their best defender last year. And I know the defense wasn't what it was, but if you don't just look at last year, but look at the couple years before when the team was really good, because he's a three time. All Mountain West player basically played what fifty plus games. That's like that's very difficult to replace on a guy who is really good team. Your captain, eight pass breakups, a couple picks all the time. It's the type of guy who's a leader as well. You have to have replace that, which they probably got a guy out there that can do it. But I go with him just because longevity and playing great for multiple years. Like, are they going to have a guy come in and be a basically play 40, 45 plus games have be a that type of production his position? I don't think so. And that's probably he. Actually, no, not probably. That is a huge loss for the team because what he's done, yeah, I mean, it, what he's done, it's huge. No, I mean I can definitely see that argument, and it's not like even though they weren't at the same level of pass defense that they were in 2017 and 2018, it's not like they fell all the way off a cliff. You know, they were still middle of the pack as far as you know interceptions as a defensive unit, and you know just only slightly below average as far as opponents passer rating and things like that. So. You know, when you're losing a key piece of that puzzle, it's going to be really hard to replace. Yeah, like getting those multi multiplayer guys. Like, who's going to step up and replace him? Like, 
I'm just looking at a few depth charts. There's not much out there. I use ourlads.com a little bit because it's mm-hmm. sometimes good. Sometimes it's not so good, as we know, looking through at times. But like if you're looking at DB, like they don't even list a strong safety here, so maybe their website's not the best to use. But like they list like in what was Hughes technically a free safety? Uh yes, he was. Okay, I was making sure his exact position. Like they list a freshman Evan Williams and a redshirt fr- freshman Wyland Free. Maybe those guys are gonna be it. No, I mean, because I don't Evan, think so. uh, Williams stepped into the uh, starting role kind of late last year yeah. um, after uh, Free had a little bit of an up and down season. Yeah. But I think if you're looking at the, the potential tandem, I think those are probably the two names you're looking at. So you th- th- that's what I was wondering to ask you about. That's probably a duo combination, like kind of a not necessarily split time, but one guy gets like 60, 40 reps. Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can see the possibility of more than two guys getting a fairly significant amount of playing time. But I think if you're looking for two names to start with the inside track to the starting job, those are probably it. And those are your young guys, too. Maybe those guys will be the next to play multiple years, all-conference or combination. But that's a big loss. When you have that guy who plays that much and earns accolades, it's going to take at least the first year multiple guys to kind of figure out. It probably may not be for a couple weeks in where they realize, oh, okay, this guy's my guy. So who do you, who do you got for Fresno? Well, I mean, I think for me, I, for me, I think the it's another kind of obvious answer. I think it's Walker just because mm-hmm. of what he brought to the table as a piece who could do a little bit of everything, and you know, with his pass rushing chops, you know, he only had two and a half sacks last year, but you know, he was still able to put a lot of pressure and be disruptive, get into into opponents' backfields and at least on paper right now, there's really no obvious replacement for that. Thanks, that no spring to, football, come on. <laughs> that obvious that, that that ability to just be disruptive. I don't I mean I think that there's promise, but there's a lot of kind of questions about the guys who are coming back. That could be a lot of positions, but you're right. It's like when we don't have jokingly no spring, but if had we had spring football, it would give us a better idea. We're not that we're shooting darts here and trying guessing, but sometimes we are. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say like who knows when football comes back, how many weeks they can practice before the season. It may just be the guy who played the most last year to come in and play, right? Possibly, yeah. All right, so who do you got for Hawaii? Ooh. <laughs> this one was a tough one just because this is the team I think is – they're replacing a lot of production on both sides of the football. So you could go in any number of directions. But to me, isn't it really hard to replace someone like Cole McDonald? I don't think I see Evan Cordero is right back there. I don't. I don't know. I I'm not saying Cord- it's not. I think Cordero but has some Cordero. work to do. He does because for as as wild as McDonald was last year, you know, he still led the the conference in touchdowns. He still averaged over eight yards an attempt. Um, and you know, Cordero wasn't quite as accurate. Nope. As McDonald was last year. Obviously, we'll go more into depth about this when we get further into team previews. Yeah, I think Cordero definitely has the skill set to to make Todd Graham's offense work. But I think that there's still just enough kind of prove it there where I obviously he's gonna have the inside track to the starting job and and he'll probably be fine in the long run. But that doesn't mean that the production that McDonald has had over the last couple of years is gonna be easy to replace. Well, I don't know. I, I agree and sort of don't agree because I, I know what he, McDonald held him off more this year than last year. Because last I mean, I'm just saying, when's the last time you saw a Mountain West team replace a guy who threw for four thousand yards with another guy who threw for four thousand yards? Um, can't t- can't help you out there. I don't know. 
put that like you, even even a guy who ran through for like three thousand yards, thirty five hundred yards. This might be the first time, right? I mean, I'm just Maybe. going back through. I'm going back through like the the league leaders over the last several years, mm-hmm. and you know, you, there's been some drop off in other situations. You know, one, you know, Nick Stevens left Colorado State, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the battle between Colin Hill and KJ Carter Samuels, where you know, there was there was a drop off in production there. You know, Boise State having to replace Brett Rippin with Hank Bachmeyer, he got hurt. Sure. And, so there's, so there's not like a, there's one reason for why this has happened in recent history, but you know when you have an elite quarterback talent like that, it's going to be really hard to replace. I think I would think with quarter playing as much as he had, this is the best chance that the, that will happen. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, I'm sticking with offense here, just because that's what I do. Apparently, I, lo- I love offense all the time. Um, I could cheat against all the wide receivers because we don't know what the offense is going to be under Todd Graham, really. I assume mm-hmm. it'll be still kind of pass heavy. But as I get there, I'm like, oh, there's this receiver, this receiver. I didn't realize, like, they had four, they had four guys with 60 plus catches. Yes, they did. I knew they had, they were very good. Like, JoJo Ward, 65. Jared Smart, 87. Is Jared Smart coming back next year? I believe he's the only one of those oh, four. Okay, that's back. okay. Somebody's at the all seniors. So, I'm just going to say Jared Smart's the guy who could come back and be amazing. He's going to be the number one receiver. But I guess I'd go Cedric Bird because he almost caught 100 passes. 98 catches, 1,000 yards, 11 yards at 10. Jojo Ward was more of the deep threat and had one more touchdown. But when you outcatch the guy by 30-plus, and then also you have like Jason and Matthew Sharsh who's gone as well, like there's got to be multiple people to step up and take over for these spots here. It also depends on the offense, what Hawaii does. Like, they're going to pass a lot. It may not be run and shoot, but like, maybe the guys like Lakeith Stovell will come in and do something to step up. And they'll, they won't be four deeper receiver, that's what I'm saying, but they'll have a couple guys. But I think when you lose that much, that much options and progression, production on offense receiving wise, there's no way to replace it all. Like, that's what 300 catches at least between those guys, 400 catches about, not 400, but. What do you pretty, pretty close. Close yeah. to it. 350. Like, they're top four guys. What team does that? And so, listen, three of those guys, like, they're going to need. I mean, if you're looking at Hawaii, though, they might be the team that could just because, you know, yes, they're replacing a lot of production. But, you know, besides Stovall and Smart, they've got a ton of young guys who can step up into the picture. Guys like, uh, you know, Mikel Ely and, and Kumoku Noah and, and Lincoln Victor, who saw, I believe, saw some playing time on special teams as well. So I think they've definitely got some options. No, they definitely do. I just, uh, I guess the one guy is easy to say Jared Smart, but it's like who's going to be two, three, and four, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so what do you got next year? What 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 are you going for uh, with uh, New Mexico? Home out of New Mexico, Matt. What do we got? Well, let's, hold on, hold on. You're forgetting about Nevada. Oh, sorry, my W's and V's. I get wow. So who got... do that? No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, I apologize. I don't know my alphabet. What do you got for Nevada? So it might be kind of an underrated pick, or like kind of an under the radar pick. But I would go with. Well, no, I'm not so sure because I just thought of someone else. Because my my Name first thing. My first instinct was to say Gabe Sewell. Yeah, that's a pretty big loss. And it's not necessarily because he lit up the stat sheet, but you know, because Nevada is going to be shifting defenses from what Jeff Castile was doing over the last couple of years to what Brian Ward is going to be installing once everything gets going. And I think, you know, having someone productive in the middle of that defense is still going to be pretty important. 
Um, but I also remember Jake Nelson at left tackle who had been pretty reliable over multiple years until he got hurt last year. And it's not immediately clear who's going to step up and replace him. And so I think, you know, having someone to reflect, uh, to protect Carson Strong's blindside is going to be important as this team continues to progress. That's, that's a good one there. Um, I'll just take Gabe Sewell just because why not? You don't take him, I'll take him. Is that fair? Okay. Yeah, that's reasonable. <laughs> he almost transferred to the program too, like one of the Sewell guys. Um, no, but what do you do, like linebacker and how much he brought to this team, like over the multiple years, not just the one season? Like he, yes, he wasn't the leading team in tackles. He, his last year wasn't great, which admittedly it doesn't help to say, hey, he's the biggest piece losing off your team. But what he did for over his career, it's kind of like the Juju Hughes thing a little bit, where if you play multiple years, you're an above average guy you're starting, are you going to have a guy come up right behind you and be, hey, I'm going to be your backup and come in and do just what you did or better in four years? Yeah. Like, like all these guys were saying, like replacing, the odds of the backup or replacement we're choosing being better is probably, what, 40% maybe mm-hmm. at best? Yeah, and I mean, you know, the upside in, in having to replace Nelson in particular is that at least, you know, the guys who saw the majority of the playing mm-hmm. time down the stretch after he was gone for the year. It's helpful. You know, they got a lot of playing time, Miles Beach and Nate Brown, but, you know, they still got some work to do because, let's not forget, they were also dead last in the Mountain West sacks allowed as well. That's not good. And I think for a team that wants to throw like Nevada does, you know, that can, you know, continued improvement on that front is going to be really crucial for whoever locks down that left tackle spot. So you're not giving a name, I see. You're just taking whoever? I mean, I think... You, if if you're looking at one <laughs> name, you look at when well, you look at Beach in particular because he was listed at the depth mm-hmm. chart uh, at the end of the year. Like when you look at linebacker, there could be a couple guys like G- Lawson Hall will be back for what he did last year. He mm-hmm. probably had just as good as better year than Sewell. There's going to be guys with who never played like we haven't seen before, which makes freaking no spring football exciting to try to evaluate who we want to see and who could be better or not, right? Yeah, I mean, this could probably be the opportunity for a guy like Giovanni Miranda who yes. came in with a, with a little bit of hype a couple of years ago. So I, I guess I go with him. But one thing about like Nevada overall, also, Matt, who's suspended for that game one? Who's going to be sitting out? Do we Ooh, okay, I'd have to go back. I'm, trying to, I'm just that. saying that could, that could skew my thought and who would be a half kidding. But like there are that from the red, the cannon game where there's a fight, helmets tossed, fans get into it. But actually, I think weren't they suspended for the bowl game? There, there was one of the teams was I forget if it's UNLV or Nevada had multiple suspensions. Oh, okay. Well, wait. Well, UNLV didn't go to a bowl game, so maybe those guys are gone. And, you know what I mean? Game one, yeah. or whatever it may be. So, but I, it's uh, it'll be like Nevada's defense is something where it's, it's one player won't make a difference either. Well, maybe it could, but for what their defense has been kind of going through, they've never they've had a couple. They've had guys who are pretty good here and there. Like overall of what you want to see from the team, they're like middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. And so whoever steps up, if they're going to take the next step under Coach Dorvell there with Carson Strong being the main guy quarterback all year with maybe Talatua running the ball better. I know they have to replace like Brandon or Larry, what, um, shoot, um, or Larry Orange got drafted in the CFL. Like he's receiver gone. But defense is where I think their offense is fine. Their defense needs to find when you lose one of your key players, they need some other uh, multiple guys to step up to get that team to because the west is wide open you know what i mean yeah like all the coaches so it's it's gonna be a number of guys defense who have an opportunity to take over that spot and be the guy or help the team be a top four defense in the conference mm-hmm. so help me with new mexico matt who should i be looking at for new mexico well i mean would it be cheating to say aaron blackwell no 
That's because he because he's another guy like Nelson who you know he missed most of last year. I'm actually trying to remember off the top of my head. Um, it's a lot, but in years past, he had been very productive for them, and so. You know, he he was one of those few kind of proven disruptive pieces, especially at the point of attack. And so seeing him transfer to Arizona is one of those things where, you know, yeah, New Mexico's having to replace a, a few productive pieces in the front seven. You know, guys like Alex Hart could be in the conversation, guys like Mo Vinicolo. <laughs> That's my guy now. I just realized the other mm-hmm. Alex I should take. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but there's two 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 linebackers named Alex that New Mexico's going to have to replace. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I think that all of those guys are going to be really important to try and find the replacements for. But I think if, if I had to choose one, I would probably choose Blackwell. Do we have any clue who would replace them, which either Alex Hart or Blackwell? I don't, I'm not sure if I know exactly because Danny Gonzalez, new head coach, Rocky Long coming over to the DC, they're kind of changing to that 3 3 5 defense. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot of position adjusting and maybe even not just talent wise, but guys may move from guy who could be slated to play linebacker could be playing that fifth db well they were running the 335 last year i know both rocky long is different he knows what he's doing yeah <laughs> sorry so, but i mean I'm I'm, I'm, i would assume you're probably looking for a little bit of size in the middle and so mm-hmm. i would look at a guy like you know langston murray who was starting by the end of last year or you know lewis harden i believe was uh i think he was part of the most recent uh recruiting class if i'm not mistaken but, you know, both of those guys, I think, could make uh, a difference as far as just being able to hold the line at the point of attack because, you know, pass defense is going to be a work in progress for the Lobos. And so if they can hold on to a lot of the gains that they made last year when it comes to defending the run, it's going to make everybody's life a lot easier in the long run. I think Jacoby Hearn could be that guy. Like he had, he had six sacks last year, forced a couple fumbles. He's a guy who played every game. He he was a guy. What do you look at too? If there, people are going to be guys would be grades, like, are you consistent? Like, there's guys who I know they had 15 tackles, but you're playing like same Houston State or some other random game. Like mm-hmm. he had a couple up and downs. Like he had a one tackle versus Nevada, one versus Liberty, but then he had like eight and six and four versus Boise State. Cut those a couple sacks versus Wyoming. Like that was his best game versus Wyoming. Eight sack, eight tackles, couple sacks, four fumble. Like he's a guy where he might be their probably be their star defender. It's like. Is that is that me cheating because he's already started last year to step up over Alex Hart when they're nearly as good? I'm so, no, I, so. Are we supposed to be looking for the true backup to be good? Not necessarily. Because he was like top 10 in TFLs in the conference. So, mm-hmm. But I would just say this. If you want a guy to look for, like out of all the defenders, like when we do our top 50 list, I might put him on there somewhere. I, I would expect you to. Oh, God. I didn't know if I was too bold to pick because, <laughs> you know, me and the Lobo defense aren't too friendly. I'm just saying. They've got some individual guys that I think deserve at least a closer look. Okay. So that's a, it's a good thought. I should put him in there. So what do we got for – is Wyoming too simple as well? Logan Wilson? Are we skipping all the way there? Oh, geez. That's my list here. Jeez. I, I wrote down – I mean, we, we, could, we could skip there. That's fine. We, yeah. So I just said it, so we're going with it. I say, yes, Wyoming, Logan Wilson – by far, not even close. Yeah, I can get behind that. Okay. <laughs> Anybody? I mean, because you're, you're, like I said, it's you, it's not every day that you find a guy who starts for four years and is awesome basically from day one. Yeah, he's like, he's amazing. He's one of the best, like, just all-around defenders ever in the Mountain West. Like, what he's done is, like, he's got to be up there, like, with guys mm-hmm. we've seen over the years. Like, his versatility 
and just playmaking ability. Like, I don't know, you got Tink Carter, Eric Weddle, guys like that who are doing multiple year starters, really very good defenders. Like, even like Curtis Weaver, like, he's defensive line, like, defensive edge linebacker. Amazing as well, a couple of fewer years. But, like, Wilson just seemed to be everywhere. People knew him from the start. Mm-hmm. And so, like, who, how do we ask somebody to say, hey, you know, that guy who's now in the NFL, had iconic picks, interceptions, touchdowns in games. Go ahead and replace him. Do that guy. You got it. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, like who? Who's the guy going to be even in that neighborhood to be close to him? Well, Chad Mooma was the guy who was listed as the backup for both Wilson and Cash Malouia. Oh, you mean both draft picks? Year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I think we could at least expect him to have a role. Like the defense will be fine because Craig Bull knows what he's doing. He'll find somebody. That probably make the most sense of him being that guy. Um, I guess if we look at true linebacker position, that would be it. But there'll be somebody they get who steps up and have a great year. It'll be it's like it's not fair to name his replacement, right? Uh, yeah, that would, <laughs> that would probably be a little bit of unfair. All right, let's go. Let's, that's an easy one. Let's go to the next team. Who do you got next? Well, we're getting, let's work backwards. Let's go to Utah State. Who do you got? I mean, I don't want to just say Jordan Love because I feel like that's boring. You're right. It is boring. So who do you got then? Jordan Love or somebody else? I'm not going Jordan Love. Well, it was interesting hearing back from Utah State fans in particular when we posed this question on Twitter because it seemed like it was pretty slip between uh, Love and David Woodward. And when you look at kind of how the defense changed as far as you know the production they were able to put forth after Woodward was lost for the year, mm-hmm. um, it's it makes a pretty compelling argument that Woodward's just kind of outsized ability to be everywhere at once. It looks like had, you know, that had an effect on the team when he was no longer able to do that. Yeah. He all conference player and missed like basically most of the conference season. Yeah. I mean, cause you look at the, you know, the first basically from, from week one to mid October, you know, you look at the yards per play figures for the Aggies and there was like three, four games where they allowed under five yards per play. You know, in, in the second half of the year when Woodward was unavailable, um, they only had one game like that. And they had, I think, three, four games where they allowed more than six yards per play. So there's a huge disparity on that front. And obviously, you know, obviously, you know, they're going to be replacing a lot on that side of the ball. You know, not just Woodward, but, you know, uh, Devin T- Anderson's gone. T.J. Williams, Williams is Tipigalea. gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not to say that all of those guys' losses won't be felt, but I think, you know, we, we saw what Woodward is able to do over a season and a half. Obviously I think he's the pick. Yeah. He has to be like, you can make Arifur Tippa, but like Woodward's kind of like Logan Wilson a bit from any plays he made. Yeah. Like he forced fumbles, interceptions. He had two and hit, well, two in 2018, but like, if you go back to lot, like this past year, he didn't do much because he got hurt so often. But like he would be everywhere on the field. Like he had 134 tackles in 2018. Mm-hmm. Who was defensive player of the year in 2018 in the conference? Who was that? Uh, it was Jeffrey Allison. Okay, Jeffrey Allison. There was a big argument between Allison or Woodward, right? If I recall, I believe so. Yeah. And that, and but like he like everything he did, like he was everywhere. Like and you're as a team, he as for the team unit, like he was a big like even before he got hurt last year, he had five sacks in half the season. Well, he had like what twenty five tackles against Wake Forest. Oh, let me see what that was. Hold on, it was something, something ridiculous. Yeah, like twenty four tackles, eighteen 20- solo, eighteen <laughs> solos off by one. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be really, really, really hard for any one guy to replace. He had sixteen versus LSU in that blowout loss. Hmm. But like, I don't know. Like, 
if for Utah State, I can't name one guy because you met you rattled off four or five. Like half their defense is gone. Mm-hmm. Like I get Gary Gary Anderson is a really good defensive coach from what he did at Utah and Utah State before. I don't know how you replace all this talent and not take a step back next year. Well, I mean, I think you saw flashes from guy. You know, you think of a guy like Eric Munoz who came yes. in. I think it was the week after Woodward was lost for the year, and ended up winning Defensive Player of the Week honors that week. So, I mean, I think that they could be got, it, yeah. They've got options back there, but again, I think it's unfair to ask one guy to do all of that. It will be. We'll see how it goes for Utah State. So now we go to, if I'm correct, is it UNLV? That is correct. Are they like New Mexico, or am I missing something obvious? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think there's, I, no, no, I'm saying I had to, I had to think, I, I had to look at names. I mean, because I think that there's few names you could put in the conversation. You know, obviously, what they did best last year was run the football. Their offensive line. When, when they felt inclined to do so. Um, <laughs> yeah, when they say, hey, we got Charles Williams back here. Maybe we will run the ball. So they are having to replace a couple of offensive linemen instead of Costa and Justin Polu. Um, they're having to replace some of their best defensive players, even if the defense was a little bit up and down last year. You guys, uh, Javin White, who signed a free agent That's deal true. with the, the the new local NFL team. So Falcons, um, I forget. Oh, no, Raiders, right? Yeah. Um, you could also throw Jericho Flowers in there. Um, for me, though, because I think his season flew totally under the radar. Ooh, I know he got. Rashad Jackson. Exactly. 14 TFL is pretty good. Because I think we expected him to make an impact. I don't know if either of us expected him to make that kind of impact. And, you know, when you go and look at last year's leaders and all the, you know, a lot of the big time categories, you know, you, you go and look at tackles for loss, for instance, and you realize, oh, he finished the year with 14 sacks. Solid. You know, he was, he was one of the few guys for the Rebels who could, you know, rush the passer as well. So, again, that was one of those kind of like I, I think he and Walker are kind of in the same boat where, you know, he could do a lot of things that, there were, you know, oftentimes the team as a whole struggled to do. And so I think that ability to kind of just be an anchor in the middle of the defense is going to be really hard to replace. But I think, you know, if there's a time for young guys or, or highly touted prospects to step into that void, you know, it's going to be next fall. You know, Vic Barramontes, I think, was a guy that we expected to break through. But by the end of the year, he only had one start on the season. So he could be a guy who could slide over from the middle to the weak side. Malachi Salou could be the guy to step up. He was at the he was listed at second behind Jackson on the depth chart last year. Well, could Afro Hester possibly be that guy too? Well, Hester's probably gonna be the guy in the middle again. Yeah. Well, I just mean like, okay, I guess true replacement. I'm looking at the next best guy. So mm-hmm. see so yeah, our criteria was kind of wishy washy here. Are you looking for next best guy or the next guy to step up in that position? Yeah. So but Hester could be the name we're talking about next year. Like, hey, he's their biggest loss in defense. But I don't know. What will Arroyo do there in UNLV where they now have to go back to Sam Boyd for a couple games, unfortunately? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But that's uh, – do you think those losses, they have a couple on defense? Like, how how does their defense – like, I'm just kind of thinking about, like, we look at individual players like this, and UNLV had a couple good guys by themselves. How was their mm-hmm. defense overall not better? Like, they were getting burned and torched. Was it just their secondary that bad last year? Like, they didn't, like, we saw what they did and didn't do last year. And they were in a lot of shootouts and they could get thrown against and all sorts of stuff. Like, how was this defense near the bottom of the Mountain West when they actually had some pretty good players? They had a terrible pass rush. Yes. Again. Um, I mean, at the, the secondary was fine 
I think for the most part. Not obviously got a lot of them. They have a couple of guys who are doing pretty well. So, and, yeah, I mean, it, I think it was a kind of a, it was one of those instances where like the, uh, the, the pieces are somewhat less than the whole. Cause it's like, if you have no pass rush, even for secondary is good. Somebody's going to eventually get open. Right. Yeah. I mean, their linebackers, like I said, Jackson and white were really good last year, but you know, there were a lot of times didn't make a difference because teams could just beat them up front. Exactly. All right. What do we got next year? Let's wrap up. We're just past the hour mark. We need to hustle. Uh, that would be San Jose state. Is it just Josh love and move on? Yeah, I I guess we could. I mean, like, who else? Like, I don't know. I mean, he was the offensive player of the year. Per the conference, not per us, but yeah. Yes. (laughs) So, like, yeah, best player of the year. Like, who else? Like, can you make an argument for anybody else? Agoya, maybe? Do you second linebacker? I mean, if only because they have a lot of unproven pieces behind them. You know, not only Aguayo, but Jesse Osuna as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have guys who played sparingly, but guys who are definitely going to have to step into more full-time roles. Um, I think those handful of guys are probably the most obvious answers. You know, another kind of underrated answer might be Silo Silatu, though. Um, if only because, you know, he's a big guy up front. You know, I believe he signed an undrafted free agent deal, if I'm not mistaken. Um but if memory serves, the two guys who were listed behind him on the transfer portal, Dubanyol Talauauti and, <laughs> and Terrell Townsend, I think they both entered the transfer portal. So they're having to replace a lot uh, at nose tackle. It's going to be a tough year for San Jose State next season, right? It's going to be an interesting year for them. Okay, we'll I'm go not, I'm not. I'm not so pessimistic that I'm going to say it's going to be a tough year. Okay, well, quarterback probably be uh, Nick Nash, right? You think? Nick Nash, Nick Starkle. Nick Starkle, one of the Knicks. Uh, Arkansas transfer Starkle or Nick Nash, who played last year a bit. Uh, all right, are we now down to uh, final team, San Diego State? That is correct. I'll go with Luke Barku. Is that your pick or not? Did I steal your pick? No, you okay. can go ahead and expand. Making sure, because there's a couple players that you could pick from this team. I was no, all, no, I, get it. I almost, like, no joke, and Aztec fans would be like, well, who's this guy? We don't know who this person is. I almost chose Ryan Agnew. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I thought about that, too. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's start off with him. Then let's put him as our alternate. I look at him because he was nearly as good as Christian Chapman. But there's also who's going to come Who's going to be his replacement? Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal. Like that, why that could be the biggest loss when Jack Sears decided not to come to San Diego State. The redshirt freshman transferred somewhere recently. I forget where in the portal. And so they're stuck with not many not guys back. Was that your kind of reasoning too? Because who the heck's going to be his return, replace him? Well, it wasn't just that. When like when you look at how the offense performed last year, you know, throwing the ball was the best thing about the offense, exactly. which is kind of a weird thing to say about San Diego State. But Very true. you know, the running game really scuffled for most of the year, and Agnew didn't light the world on fire week in and week out. Week mm-hmm. out, but he was definitely more than just competent like he showed that he could make plays down you know down the field he showed that he could extend plays with his legs things like that and that really added up to a productive year for them and so you know obviously it's a one game sample and you don't want to tease too much out of it but Carson Baker didn't exactly wow me or a lot of other people when, true. when he closed the year against BYU um yeah that game was dreadful to watch all man so so yeah, I mean, I think there's a case to be made for Agnew. All right, my pick is Barku because, like, he loved the country and what pass breakups, interceptions. 
basically all the key uh, secondary stats you want to have. He basically had it in, in the country's top, either tied or best in DBs. He had the three, just because he had the three interception game and three passes, that is huge. But he was all over the place, knocking balls down, getting everybody around. And, like, he's just a guy, like, I don't know why he didn't get consideration for, like, All-American type awards for what he did in secondary. Like, mm-hmm. for pass defense, he was number one in the country. Pass breakups, he was number one in the country. Like, in every category, like, what else do you want from a guy in the secondary, right? Like, he's exactly. arguably... Like, is he better than, like, guys like DeMonte Casey in years past on the college level? Who's sitting up, shooting up as Casey's with, with the Falcons right now? Mm-hmm. Like, is, is he, did he have a better college career, at least a better senior year than that guy? Possibly. When you lead the nation in all your categories, how much better can it be? That's true. And to replace him? Like, Aztecs typically have somebody back there. So it's like, I know they're new coaching staff, but it won't change too much of Brady Hoke leading the way. But when you look at what San Diego State typically does... There will be some guy. It's and it's not all scheme. It's when you get those picks all the time. I know if you're the, you happen to be like that fifth uh, DB or the extra DB back there. Your your scheme does help you, but that's what your team does. And so I can't. I'm not going to fault any guys just because you play because it's not really gimmicky offense. Because some guys in the NFL, some teams do that in the NFL, right? They'll run mm-hmm. the same type of defense. But to replace that type of production, it's like. I don't know. They lo- what do they lose? They lose Tariq Thompson as well. Is there all these guys are gone? Darren Hall? All no, these- no, no. Tariq Thompson's coming back. Oh, I thought he's gone next year. Oh, no. Dar- Why am I lab- labeling off wrong guys here? Like, I can't pick Tariq Thompson or Darren Hall to take over because they're just as good, right? They're up there in the mm-hmm. same category. I don't know. Who do I... Who do- I honestly didn't look for a replacement because how can you replace him? I don't know. What would I pick? Uh, how much did Tyler Hawkins play? Actually, he played a reasonable amount of time. Is he going to take over for that spot? He played in... What? How many games? He had... Shoot, my, my computer's screwing up here. He, well, he saw action in 11 games. That's why I, I knew it was most of the games. I want to get on to pull up his game log. Maybe it could be him, but he didn't really have any interceptions. He was just a backup. Maybe he's a guy who can step in and play. And if they're bringing back like Darren Hall, Tariq Thompson, like he could slide in and be – it's like one of those things like when you're – when teams double or focus somewhere else and you're kind of the new guy, they're like, fine, we'll take out the new guy. But he makes plays because he's not being doubled or – focused on it, opens up somebody else to make a big play. So maybe it's Tyler Hawkins possibly that could be that guy where he plays CB. But Interestingly, the Aztecs only have five uh, cornerbacks listed on their roster right now. That's like their whole secondary. What do they do? Well, they have a lot of safeties. Uh, (laughs) Okay. But no, you you mentioned Darren Hall. Eric Wilson was a backup for Hall Mm -hmm. uh, listed on the depth chart anyway. So he's a possibility. But they've also got some young guys who could factor into that mix too, like you know, Sedarius Barfield, Tyree Barisi. So, well, I guess we'll we'll have to kind of wait and see. So, who's your guy? Um, to me, I, I don't know. I kind of felt like this one was obvious too. Like I thought about Agnew for a minute, but you know, Kaiva Tizino came into the program as one of the best recruits ever, sure. and, and and left it as one of its most productive defenders ever. And so, while it's a situation where this, you know, kind of like with Logan Wilson or Boise State that this is not the first time they've been in a situation like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's another situation where there's going to be a lot of pressure on the next man up, whether it's Michael Shawcroft or Kalen Hemphill or whoever ends up in that strong side spot. That's a big loss too, because he's really good. Like the defenders they lose are really good for San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Or actually in the middle, excuse me, I said no. strong side. Well, but I mean, it's overall, regardless, it's, hey, you can make one smaller. It's okay. Yeah. 
Any other team we need to get to, or is that everybody? That is everybody. We made every team. We made it through. I found my New Mexico and UNLV guy last moment, so we're good to go on that. Because <laughs> you go through, you try to find who you want to find. So here's what we're doing. That, that wraps it up for today. A little bit longer show, so hopefully you uh, appreciate the 75 minutes we did today, which is awesome. But we'll be back next week. Matt, we need to figure out what we're going to talk about because we're getting to that couple-week period where even if this was a typical spring normal times, we'd have to think of something fun to do, right? Oh, yeah. If you have any ideas for us, shoot us at MWC Wire. You can hook up, tag us on Twitter. Well, because our team previews, if my math is correct, I think it's about Memorial Weekend is when we want to start those out, 12 to 1. Yeah, I got to start. I got to look at my Google Calendar and do the math on that. Yeah, me too. So we'll, we're going to, our plan is to go as normal because until we know, we don't know, and we're going to go with what we normally do. And so we'll do that. We got our top 50 countdown coming up. So give us a, a few ideas. We'll think of a couple things too. We did some fun stuff the past couple of years, like the former, I don't think we'll do this year, but the former alumni guy to come back to help your team. We mm-hmm. did that. That was kind of fun. Oh, actually, it was pretty fun. But give us a shout out. Let us know what you want to talk about. We'll, any and all options, be able to do a grab bag type of show. We'll see. But uh, check us out at mwr.com. We'll be here all the time. Subscribe over to podcast because if you're listening at this point, you probably already have. So tell a friend or two. And yeah, we'll be back uh, next uh, next week to talk some more football. See you, folks.